Like most moralizing old men, this philosopher will either enlighten you, bore you, piss you off, or maybe a combo of all. Welcome my mere mortalites to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron and I do these book reviews to help you transcend beyond your own mere mortality. And yes, we are all mere mortals. We're going to look into some philosophy today. It is Discourses and Selected Writings by the philosopher Epictetus. The version I read was the 2008 translation by Robert Dobbin, the Penguin's Classic. So, as a whole, it's the words of wisdom from a notable Stoic philosopher. So it contains his main arguments, his core ideas, his principles that he lives with in the world. There's many different topics. And so I'll read out a couple of the small snippets that he goes into. So for example, against the skeptics, he'll have one on the utility of changing arguments, hypothetical arguments, and the rest. He'll have one such as the that talents are treacherous for the uneducated that God supervises everyone. There's all these tiny little things that he will delve into onto a particular topic for usually a couple of pages and then back off and go on to something else. As a whole, there's about 250 pages. And unfortunately, we have lost a fair chunk of this due to time as well. The structure of the book is that there's three main parts. So there's the four books, which was originally eight. And these take the form of more conversations. I read out some of the topics on these. They have, you know, subtitles for each particular one. And these will usually run from anywhere to one to four pages in length. There is the fragment section. So these are just small little snippets, you know, tiny little things that he supposedly said. And then there's the Enchidrion, which it means manual in Greek originally. And these are more assertions of, from him of a, a practical thing for you to implement into your life. So there's these three different parts within the book and you'll get a different feeling for one of them. So one of them will be more conversations, long form, you know, a topic to ponder on and think about. Another will be an assertion that you should just look at and take at face value. And another will be maybe just, a, you know, an off the cuff fly thing that he has said and hasn't put too much effort into. So these three different sections can give you different feelings on what Epictetus was like as a person and what he really truly believed. On the author Epictetus, he was born in AD 55 and lived to around AD 135. So a good 80 years, which is a pretty impressive achievement for those times. He was a former slave who gained his own freedom, was released, and then was a free man in the world. He lived a lot of his life in Italy before moving to Greece, and then that's where he founded a school of philosophy and was widely renowned as a, you know, a smart man, a philosopher, a, a wise person. Now, these books and these sayings weren't actually written by him. They were written by a student of his called Arian, but... It's sort of widely known that this is pretty realistic of what he would have been like and all of the sources from those times indicate that this isn't Arian's version of it. it you know, he might add some little snippets here and there, some things that weren't exactly said by Epictetus, but it's largely said that this is a verbatim speech or things that Epictetus would have said. So it's attributed to Epictetus. The first theme is impressions, noticing the initial reaction. So what is an impression? Well, Epictetus has this philosophy in the book that occurs many times and I'm going to put it in my own words. So it's not going to be exactly 100% correct, but I'll try my best. And it seems to be the process of many things happening and then being bundled into one. So I would say it so occurs something like this. An event occurs you perceive the event, you then have an emotional response, and then you subsequently act on that. So, 
the problem with all of this is where is the free will inside of that? Where is the ability for you to stop and say at a certain point, hey, no, that's not how I want to behave or you know what, I'm going to take this initial perception, this thing that occurs, I'm going to filter it in my own mind and then create something from that, do something that I could have done differently. And so he says there's this act of ascent that we can force into here, put into there to create some free will, to put some human rationality into this equation. And this occurs right after the emotional reaction and before the subsequent action upon that. And what he says is essentially, I don't need to endorse this emotional reaction. So I'll give some examples here. If I'm going out and I'll use a classic example that everyone would have felt road rage, and this is being trapped in traffic jams or something like this and feeling angry at the lack of movement or whatnot. And he says, essentially, what you can do is I don't need to endorse being angry in this situation. You know, I should be going out and thinking and creating beforehand some structures in place to go, you know what? I should probably expect a traffic jam and I would expect that I'm going to get angry from this. But do I need to endorse that anger? No, I can disassociate myself somewhat and say, hey, you're probably going to see this. And you know what? Try and watch this anger rise within you and then don't be a dick because of that. Don't lean on your horn. Don't try and weave in and out of traffic. Just accept it and go, hey, okay, this is happening. Another one for me would be littering. There's always people littering at the park where I like to work out. And you know what? I don't need to get angry about that. I should expect litter there. I can find a way to, you know, disassociate myself from the anger, from the disappointment, the sadness that I feel when I see that people are, you know, disrespecting the park and disrespecting the area and whatnot. So what I really like about the impressions and what I, I think he's really trying to get at is this showing of human rationality and how you can mix this in with emotions and really make it so that you're not going to make things worse by acting on those emotions. And you can do this in many ways, but the one that seems to be core for him is sort of preparing for it. So this is being able to anticipate situations where maybe you can't anticipate exactly what's going to occur in the situation, but you can anticipate what you will feel in that. And then being able to turn off to introspect and look at yourself when that happens, when that anger arises, when the sadness pops up, when the, you know, whatever it is, that negative emotion or even some positive ones that can lead you into trouble as well. Look at that and see, hmm, why is this happening? Do I need to endorse what I'm feeling here? The second thing that pops up is pragmatic philosophy, implementing changes in the real world. This is one of the core aspects I would say of stoicism is that it's not just all talking ahead and things to think about. Most of it is like, hey, you can go out and try this in the real world. So the style that pops up in this book is more like an FAQ of answering a question. So he'll usually pick a topic and start talking about that, giving some suggestion and advice. And then a question will pop up from a hypothetical person or maybe a real person saying, oh, but et cetera, et cetera, giving their real world case of why they can't do this or that. And then he'll answer that and say, no, you're not looking at this correctly. This is how, et cetera, et cetera. So some of the ones and ways that he has done this is through his crippled leg, for example, he'll talk about, you know, you can expect this to happen when you're a cripple. These things are going to be like this. The world is going to treat you this way. And someone will say, oh, but my hand was etc., etc." but your situation is different, et cetera, et cetera. And then he will show, no, hey, this is why it's the same. This is why you should probably think this way. And this is how things will turn out if you behave in this way. So it's a real emphasis in most stoicism, I would say, on this pragmatism of being able to, you know, 
show this. Now, it's not super strong and inherent, so you can find plenty of sections where it's just talk in this book, but I think there's a subtle draw or drag back that I've found in most of the Stoics and especially in Epictetus here of, hey, you go out and you can do this thing. This is actually implementable. It's not just something that's in your head. It's not an affirmation that you say into a screen or something or into a mirror. It's like, go out and do this thing, test it out for yourself. I think there's this emphasis or this highlighting of pragmatism because the Stoic philosophers really tried to implement it in their lives. So, Some of the people referenced in this book were Socrates. He said, you really need to be questioning everything. So what did he do? Well, he went out and questioned everything and he died a noble death because of that. He put his philosophy on the line on the, you know, the highest stakes possible. There's people like Marcus Aurelius who references Epictetus. So he wasn't referenced in this, but, you know, he was a philosopher king. He used this to manage the greatest, you know, empire of the time and to keep himself sane and to be a just and wise ruler. There's people like Zeno, who was an austere merchant, the first real Stoic philosopher. He, you know, put these things to the test. Diogenes is also really highlighted in this book. And he did this thing called poverty training, where he would train himself in poverty. He would live in a barrel. He would live, you know, in this austere life to really disconnect from what he believed were to be, you know, the attachments of of material things and of training his mind and body and things like this. So, what I really, really think that jumps out with Epictetus and with the Stoics is if you want to implement things in the real world, if you want to see these things being taken place, you can actually do them with your body and do these things. I I really think that's uh, one of the core aspects that you'll gain from a book like this. Onto my personal observations and takeaways. And the first one actually isn't mine. It's from a friend of mine, Brendan, who actually lent me this book. And he was saying, one thing you'll notice with Epictetus is he's a grumpy old man and boy, is it true. There's so many times where you'll find him just randomly insulting people who are trying to have a conversation with him. So he'll say something, they'll something say something stupid in response and he'll go, you fool or you weakling or you idiot. This is etc. etc. Why didn't you think of this? So there's this definite aspect of him where, and this is where I was saying it might piss you off, it might bore you because man, he really does come across as, as a grumpy old man in many ways. Speaking of being bored as well, my reading of this book was a bit fitful. I think Stoic philosophy really is something that you need at certain times in your life. And I personally don't think of it all the time. There are times in my life where I'm really striving and wanting to do things. And this is where I feel like Stoic philosophy really comes in and is useful for me. And then there's other times where I'm more chilled out. I'm like, you know what? I don't really need to implement this into my life. So for me, my reading of this, although I enjoyed it, was a bit fitful. I found myself getting bored in places. I found myself getting distracted. And this could have been a a sign of me just not really needing this at the moment even though I do like the philosophy of Stoicism as a whole. My fitful reading could also be due to the different styles that were within here. As I mentioned, there were some parts that were shorter, sharper, more of an assertion. I really enjoyed those ones. And then the parts where he was expounding upon things at length, I didn't enjoy them as much unless there was more of a conversational type tone within it. So one thing to note within here is maybe you definitely should check out all three different sections because they are so different. And if you're not enjoying one section, you might enjoy one of the others. So in summary, Rome wasn't built in a day and Stoic philosophy isn't just one guy. 
Whilst I think you'll find your favorites, i.e. for me, Marcus Aurelius, or those who you don't like as much, i.e. Epictetus here came across as quite stubborn and assertive, humorous, but also a bit meh. I think after reading all of them as a whole, you'll start to gain some of the real true core aspects of the Stoic philosophy. So these are things like being very pragmatic, being able to implement changes into the real world with your physical body, of really disassociating yourself from your emotions and looking at it and going, hmm, is this something I want to endorse? Is this useful? And then also, I think Stoic philosophy just as a whole is really useful for those who might feel negative things more than positive things. So I've always sort of seen it as a dampening down of the negative emotions and also slightly of the positive but if you're feeling the negative way more, this can actually help you in, in the real world and it'll stop you feeling as bad, stop as much negative emotion in your life. So all in all, I thought there was a, a good book and worthy of reading and worthy of being as part of the one of the notable Stoic philosophers. So Epictetus's Discourses and Selected Writings, I'm giving a six and a half out of 10. Yeah, pretty good. And so my mere mortalites, thank you for joining me to the end of the audio. To quote Epictetus, the mere mortals are fucking awesome. You should stream them some sats. So yes, this is a value for value enabled podcast. Meaning if you go onto one of the new podcasting apps, newpodcastapps.com, you can find ways to get an enhanced experience. I put images and chapters and links within some of these. So if you go onto somewhere like Podfriend, Curocaster, or Fountain, you can find some of these new cool ways to stream Satoshis to give some value back to the mere mortals for creating this book review. And I would highly recommend that. And not only does it help me, but it gives you a, a greater podcasting experience as well. Other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.